Welcome to Inside Economics. I'm Mark Zandi, the Chief Economist of Moody's Analytics, and I'm joined by my two trusty co-hosts, Marissa DiNatale and Chris Dorides. Hi, guys. Hey, Mark. Hey, How things? Okay. Okay. Good, good. Uh, you know, this is a little unusual for us because it's third late, well, not late, but early evening on a Thursday. We typically record our podcast on a Friday, but we're, uh, we're doing it late Thursday because I have a board meeting all day tomorrow. Can't can't do it then. Uh but, you know, we could have done it Saturday. Why didn't we do it? You tell me. You really? tell me. You chose it. You chose I chose it? it? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. I think we're doing it next Saturday. So. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. We'll maybe. Have a, yeah. We can compare. Okay. Right. Very good. But here we are. And this is an important day because uh, on this Thursday, what is this? October 26th, we got, we received the GDP report for the month, uh, for the quarter of, uh, for the third quarter of 2023, the GDP being the value of all the goods and services we produce. And it was, I don't think there's any other word for it, but gangbusters. I mean, guys have any better word for it? I mean, pretty, pretty amazing kind of growth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It surpassed all expectations. Right? All expectations. Okay. Well, let's dive into it in some detail. And uh, hey, Marissa, maybe I can uh, call on you to do a deep dive here. Give us a sense of the numbers and your interpretation of the numbers. Sure. Yeah. Um, so well above expectations growth in third quarter, uh, growth was 4.9% Q2 to Q3. And we were expecting something in the high threes and most forecasters were not expecting something of this magnitude. So this is the strongest rate of GDP growth that we've had since the end of 2021. You have to go back to the fourth quarter of 21 to see growth this strong. And it was really quite broad-based uh, amongst all facets of the economy. And I'll, I'll go through what those are. C plus I plus G plus net exports, right? So we'll go in that order talking about the different components of uh, the contributions of GDP. Is that econ so 101? This is, this is macro 101. Macro. Macro. Is that when I was uh, in university college, it was econ 101. Was that when you were there, it was econ 101 or it's called macro 101? I think we had to take macro and micro or separate. I don't think we had a general yeah. econ. Oh, is that right? Yeah. For me, yeah. it was econ 102. Was what happened macro. to 101? 101 was micro. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes sense, actually. You should do the micro before you do the macro. Okay. You'll zoom out, I'll, right? I'll let them know. I'll let okay. Them know. <laughs> this is a, was this at Johns Hopkins? No, you got your piece. No, that was at uh, Michigan State. Oh, that figures, Michigan State. Oh, so you're a yeah. Wolverine, aren't you? No, not Wolverine. Don't, don't, no, no, wait. A Spartan. You're a Spartan. Oh, boy. Spartan. Spartan. You're a Spartan. Sorry about that. I know that's. Uh, uh, I could care less. So. Oh, you could care less. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that Chris was my econometrics professor at Johns Hopkins? I know. I didn't know you that. Didn't? No, that is really amazing. Yeah. Johns Hopkins, Mercer, yeah. undergrad? No, Chris, no, no. Mercer? Graduate school. Oh, master's program. Oh, you, you went to master's? You got your master's from Johns Hopkins? Yeah. Yeah. I've known you Chris, for so many years and I somehow I didn't know that. That is bizarre. And Go Chris Blue Jays. My... Go Blue Jays. <laughs> was Chris a good professor? He was great. Yes. He was great. I can I can imagine that. Yeah. That I believe. And Chris, was she a good Thank student? you, Mercer. He probably doesn't even remember me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So then the the uh, the addendum to the story is that I show up for a job interview at uh, Moody's Analytics uh -huh. you know, years later. And Did who's in the room interviewing me? Oh, no. <laughs> that is so cool. 
That is so cool. What a great story. How did he do on his interview? It must have been pretty good. Oh, yeah. He must have. He, he wowed us, I guess. Yeah. 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 Wow. I will say he gave me an A minus on my econometrics final paper. Don't say Marissa holds a grudge, Chris. Wow. I remember <laughs> the minus. Yeah, where'd that minus come from? <laughs> well, it's probably because you got the C plus I plus G plus net exports wrong. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, we're going to test you now. Okay, let's go back to C. Let's, let's go, go back, back to C. C. Let's go back to C. Okay, so so uh, over half of the, the, the growth in GDP in the third quarter came from personal consumption expenditures. So personal consumption expenditures grew 4% on a quarter over quarter basis. And again, you have to go back to uh, the end of 2021 to see growth in consumer spending that strong. We talked about this on the last podcast, right? We did our whole podcast last week about how strong the consumer is and how strong spending has been. And here it is in black and white in, in this release. You see spending on both goods and services by consumers was quite strong. So, you know, we've had this sort of, we've seen that consumers were spending very strongly on goods during the pandemic because they couldn't send, spend on services. And this was starting to sort of come back to some normalcy with more spending on services, but they're still spending quite strongly on goods, both durable and non-durable goods. So um, two of the categories within good spending that were strong over the quarter were in, on the durable side, recreational vehicles. Hmm which are RVs, right? Is there, I, I don't know. Is there anything else in that category? Like jet skis and things? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then on the non-durable side, spending was very strong on um, prescription medications. Huh. Services spending was also quite strong. You have to go back to the third quarter of 2021 to see spending on services that was this strong. And that, you know, if you go back to the third quarter of 21, you're talking about sort of that post-pandemic, post-COVID lockdown reopening of the economy, right? right? So service spending was strong. Service spending was strongest on housing services, on insurance, um, and on healthcare spending. Those were the strongest service categories. So no, no Taylor Swift effect, no, oh. no Beyonce. Uh... Oh, actually, yes, yes, there is potentially a Taylor Swift effect. So, um, spending on leisure goods, leisure hospitality, entertainment was also one of the very strong components. Yeah, you think that's what it is, Chris? You think it's Taylor Swift's tickets? Did, did you go see her, Chris? Are you a fan? <laughs> I did not. No. I, I no. No. see how it, oh, he's blushing. I think he actually did go see her. <laughs> like you're like a serial Taylor Swift fan. You go to all all her concerts. All her uh, I, no, I, w- I wish I had the time. Wish I had the time. <laughs> <Or> the, yeah, for <laughs> the money. Yeah, apparently, I don't, I don't know, Bruce. That that felt a little disingenuous. That laugh. Yeah. yeah what do you think? He's hiding something. He's hiding. He's definitely <laughs> adding to the Chris lore. Lover of cryptocurrency and Taylor and Taylor Swift. Swift. <laughs> Yeah, we haven't we haven't talked about crypto in a while, but never mind. That's oh, please don't, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Well, well, the consumer obviously is hanging tough. Hey, Chris, remember last podcast you were kind of worried about the consumer. Any feeling better after this report, or not so much? Feeling better that last quarter they the consumer <laughs> yes. was hanging tough. <laughs> right. Okay. Last quarter. Uh, great, great Everybody. news that last quarter was yeah was great. Got it. Got it. Got uh, it. Let's see what happens next. 
<laughs> okay, so C, now we're on to I, investment. Yeah, let me just say one more thing about C, which yeah. is the only category that actually declined in terms of consumer spending over the quarter was gas and energy goods. Ah, okay. And Everything that's on else. a real, real basis. So that means the actual amount, I guess price, gas prices were up and we just conserved. We drove less or something. Okay. All right. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So now we're on to I. So private and private investment was uh, up 8.4% annualized over the quarter. Again, the fastest rate of growth in that category since the end of 2021. Um, Fixed investment was up just under 1% over the quarter. Non-residential fixed investment was just about flat. Residential fixed investment, however, was up for the first time in nine quarters. So the non-res fixed investment, that's investment done by businesses, right? That's right. And the residential, obviously, is housing, single family, multifamily housing, and home improvement. And within, if, if you want to break down the spending by businesses, um Spending on equipment by businesses declined over the quarter and spending on equipment has declined in two of the last three quarters. So it was up in the second quarter, but it also declined in the first quarter of the year. Um, But spending on structures, so so buildings um, and spending on intellectual property were both up. So it was pretty much a wash between the, the structures and the IP offset the spending on equipment, which was down. And I think, you the, think I, that, oh, sorry, go ahead, Chris. Do you think that's uh, CHIPS Act related? Uh, some of that uh, non-resi structural spending? We're building uh, semiconductor plants and whatnot. So, so it could be a contributor. Yeah, absolutely, right? Because that's manufacturing construction and that's in the non-res structures. So that would be, I think that's the CHIPS Act. I mean, I think if you look at, manufacturing construction put in place so that's nominal dollar actual value of construction and manufacturing uh, facilities factories which would include fab plants chip plants i think if you go back a couple of years ago it was 75 billion uh, per annum uh, that was kind of roughly where we were i think we're now over 200 billion annualized so and it's still going up still going yeah. straight. so i think that's a big part of it yeah um, I was going to say on the equipment side, I think one thing to note, and I think I had this right, I haven't looked recently, but if you take a, a step back and look at a chart of that business investment spending on equipment, so that's computers and that kind of thing, it surged, as you would expect, in the pandemic for because of remote work. We all bought stuff uh, and businesses bought a lot of stuff for their employees to do remote work. And even though things have kind of leveled off here more recently, the level of, of investment spending is still quite high by historical standards. It doesn't feel like it's normalized back to what it would have been with if there had been no pandemic. I, I, that's in my mind's eye. So I, I'm not sure if that's exactly right, but I think it's pretty close to right. Yeah. Now with the shift. That is right. Line, that is right, Marissa. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if you go back and you look at what equipment, spending on equipment and especially Computer equipment was like in 2020. I mean, it was off the chart, right? In yeah. the third quarter of 2020. Yeah. So once we realized everybody be, would be working from home for some time, 
businesses exactly right went out and spent. And so there's been recent weakness over the past year in equipment spending. That could just be this cycle of yeah. not having to replace stuff you just bought two years ago. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Anything else on the eye? The investment? Uh, oh, I meant to ask on the residential yeah. investment, single family, multifamily home improvement, it was plus an aggregate. Was there any, anything going on underneath? I mean, what was driving that? Do you know, Chris? I don't know. I didn't have a, no, no. Didn't have a opportunity to look it up. Okay. All right. This, but maybe I'll do that one as we move along here, try to figure that out. Okay. So that's I. So basically C, big time source of growth. I, a source of growth in aggregate, uh, not business investment, but, you know, in aggregate. A source in of aggregate, growth. it added one and a half percentage points. To, oh, it did. Well, yeah, that, so, that also includes inventory investment, right? Uh. It does. That's true. It does. Yes, okay. it does. And so inventories to... were a positive contributor this quarter Pretty for the big, first time. Too. Yeah. You want to explain that one? You know, inventories? Yeah. So uh, inventories, it's the change in inventories that matters to the calculation of GDP growth. So the change from the prior quarter. Um, this is the first time in three quarters where inventories have contributed positively to GDP growth. So last quarter and the second quarter, it was flat, no contribution. In the first quarter, it was a fairly big detractor. It took about 2.2 percentage points off of first quarter GDP growth earlier this year. So this time it added 1.3 percentage points to GDP growth. So businesses have a lot of inventory, even though people are spending a, a lot and buying a lot of stuff, right? We see that with the consumption of goods, but nonetheless, they have a lot of inventory and that inventory grew over the quarter, which implies that production has been strong, I think. Yeah. yeah I'm so I'm so weirded out by that because boom time consumption, uh inventories increase. That implies, as you say, a big increase in production, but actually manufacturing industrial production has been pretty flat. You know, it's not like it's booming. It could also be imports, you know, we're importing stuff that goes into inventory before mm-hmm. it's actually sold. Mm-hmm. And in, in, imports were up, but, you know, it didn't feel like it was up a lot. I just, that just feels weird to me. You know, when something feels weird to me, generally it's revised. So I'm just thinking this might get revised. We'll see. We'll see. But I guess the point is we get 4.9% GDP growth. What was the contribution from inventory? investment was like one three one point three yeah okay so that subtract that that's three six so even if that's the reality of what happened three sixes that's still that's still pretty that's good. still by, really right by the way that was pretty close to our estimate for the quarter right we are tracking that's right three six but uh okay so that's c plus i now g so g government spending was also a positive contributor to growth over the quarter. So government consumption added about, uh, let's see, an eighth of a percentage point to uh, 0.8 percentage points to GDP growth over the quarter. So it was both federal spending and state and local spending grew over the quarter. Within the federal spending, um, defense spending was up very strong. It was up 8% over the quarter. Uh, you have to go back to the end of 2020 to see defense spending that big. Uh, non-defense spending was also up. That was up 3.9%. And uh, 
state and local government spending was up 3.7%, which was a bit softer than it's been all year. But still, all branches of government spend out there spending money and adding positively to um, GDP growth. So and that, that goes to CHIPS Act, the infrastructure law, maybe the Inflation Reduction Act, although it might be premature for that. And of course, defense spending, it feels like that's going to continue for some time here, given geopolitical events. Yeah. Right. I mean, we we we've had a lot of aid going to Ukraine um, and now we're likely to get even more of that with Israel. Israel. Yeah. OK. Yeah. OK. So a lot of juice from C, uh, some juice from I, fair amount of juice from G. What about net, net exports? That's the, the, the last term in that identity. So net exports were the only detraction here from uh from growth so of all of these categories net exports were uh detract detracted very a very small amount though we're looking at 0.08 percentage points from growth 0.08 um, yeah 0.08 I, I think yeah. i'd run that to zero just saying mm -hmm. you could yes okay fair enough okay <laughs> got it so this was the only category where uh where this wasn't a help to GDP. Help, help yeah. 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 And it was, is it imports plus, I mean, both were up, exports were up, imports were up, That just, but the net of that was no change. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Good. Okay. So that's the nuts and bolts of it. Uh, what do you, what's your interpretation of it? What does it mean, you know, for the, uh, where the economy is and where it's headed? My, oh, and I should also say year over year, GDP was up yeah. two. 0.9%. So we're looking at growth that is well above the economy's potential here. Um, my interpretation is the same, kind of the same thing we were talking about last week, right? I mean, consumers still have a lot of spending power here and they are propping up much of the economy. I think the fact that inflation is on a clear downward trajectory um, and has been moderating for now the past year plus is giving them more of a wherewithal to spend. And I think that's what we've seen over the last couple quarters here. I mean, even just compared to where we were a year ago or at the beginning of this year, inflation is down significantly. So, so you're, you're, you're just to summarize the, you're, you're saying, okay, inflation was a problem. It still is a problem, but it's much less of a problem. It's come in. And uh, that's helped to support the purchasing power of American consumers, and they're using that to continue to spend. And they spent strongly in the third quarter. And that's the key reason why, and really in the first half of this year, the key yeah. reason why the economy is, is growing as well as it is. That's the most, that's the fundamental reason for that, that strong growth. That's what I believe. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Chris, what do you think? Uh, do you want to fill in any gaps there in the in the, uh, Marissa's rundown of the GDP? And what's your interpretation of the numbers? Well, first of all, I think it was an A-plus report. There you that, go. Uh, Marissa. Oh, not an A-minus, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I I honestly do agree that uh, it, it reflects the strength of the consumer. Consumers really are continuing to drive the bus. The inventories number, as kind of mentioned, it's a little bit of noise to me. It, yeah. um, uh, even if you, even if it's right, it tends to be volatile. I worry about the shopping cycles being 
scrambled here. So who knows, right? What's going right. on there? But right. clearly relying on the uh, the the consumer here. The investment, I thought, you know, that's somewhat troubling, I guess, in the sense that you you do want investment to pick up more of the the um the water carry more of the water I, I i guess here um so you know i don't see that as a negative right because the residential investment actually picked up after a long string of negative uh growth so something to watch but if we're thinking about more of a sustainable growth path right you do want to see investment kicking in a bit more but so because we are so heavily leveraged on the uh on the consumer right now right so 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 good report. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Um, but it does hang very heavily on consumers. And, you know, was the third quarter a summer of spending, right? Where we we did go to the Taylor Swift concert and uh do a lot of other spending. And that will pass now as as we can start to face more and more uh headwinds. Right. I think that's I think that's the case. This is for me, it's a one-time uh, burst of activity here. We should be prepared for. Some slowing, not negative slowing. necessarily, but right. certainly a repeat of this would be uh, what heroic. The, uh, I, I, that's a good way of thinking, a good frame uh, in terms of thinking about it. I mean, obviously, the C, the consumer, is the key, right? 70% of the economy, that drives the train. So if that's consumers are doing their part, uh, the rest of it, it doesn't matter nearly as much. I mean, it's a ne- yeah. necessary condition. Okay. And on the on the eye, the business investment that does feel flattish. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure we're going to get a lot of juice from there one way or the other. And so I think that's, uh, from memory, ten percent of the economy effectively, so a relatively small part. The G though, that feels like there's some more there's juice something there. Down. Yeah, it's not over. I mean, because that that goes back to the infrastructure legislation that goes to the Chips Act that goes to the Infra- Inflation Reduction Act. And I think, uh, it, you know, we've done a lot of work in this area uh, that the maximal impact from those pieces of legislation on the economy, on GDP, isn't, isn't for another year, maybe even, you know, as you move into 2025. So we're, it, it, that could be a pretty significant tailwind, you know, for most of 24 going into 25. On the net exports, uh, that I think is a wash. I, you know, yeah. one quarter might be up a little, one quarter down a little bit. You know, maybe because the U.S. economy is so strong and the rest of the, the global economy, not quite so much. And the U.S. dollar is very, very strong against most currencies. You know, it might be a small drag on growth, but I don't know that it's going to be a factor one way or the other in, in driving things. So uh, going going back to the G a moment, the government yeah, uh-huh. side of this, I, I believe it was about a 50-50 split between federal and state and local contributions okay. to the 0.8% growth. Given your uh, analysis here of, of the federal contribution, do you expect so that's what about 0.4 percent? Do you yeah. expect that to actually increase going into 2024 here substantially, or yeah, meaningfully? I think we're going to get more. Uh, we'll probably get less out of state and local. The state right. and local, I think, is benefiting from the American Rescue Plan that was passed back in the early part of the Biden administration. There was. Uh, 500 billion in aid to state and local government. The 550 billion, of which, if, if memory serves, was for schools, education. But you still had, you know, a ton of uh, cash going to state and local governments that they could spend out. You know, through this, I think all the way through, I think it's through the end of this year, maybe even to 2024. So I think that's what we're seeing in the state and local government 
uh, numbers, but that'll start to fade. But the federal government, that I think we got more, more, more coming there, uh, more support coming there, at least through the end of 24 going into 25. Um, okay. Uh, you know, I, it just feels like a very, uh, it's hard not to take solace in the report, right? I mean, it's really strong growth is very broad based. Uh, feels like it's on pretty solid ground. Um, you know, it just feels like it, we're in a, in a pretty good place. The, the one potential concern is in the context of the uh, worries about inflation and the fact that the economy is at full employment is is actually now it's flipping around. It's not the recession immediately. It's the potential for the economy heating back up again, the Fed having to raise rates again. And of course, that would be a problem down the road for the economy. But I don't think we're there yet. I mean, because the inflation numbers were pretty good. Uh, they felt pretty good. Um uh, so I, I took a lot of solace in the report. Of course, I've been taking a lot of solace in all the reports recently, but I think that I, it's hard not to like what we saw here. You know, it's it was pretty darn good. Um, okay, anything else on the GDP report we want to bring up? Mercy, you did mention in our conversation before we went on about the income side of the GDP accounts. We got some data with regard to personal income and oh, that's right, right. Rates. Did you want to just mention that before we? The personal on? disposable income actually fell real over the quarter. Real, per, real personal disposable income fell over the quarter, which you know seems to be somewhat at odds with the boom in consumer spending that we got. Um, and this also implies that the the savings rate. Um, the savings rate also fell over the quarter. Right. Okay. But you don't, I mean, cause your, your argument was that real incomes have been rising, but that one quarter you're not putting that much weight on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, yes. And, and, and I'll also say, you know, if you look at the um, personal consumption expenditures deflator, I mean that if you strip out again, if you strip out food and energy right. from it, that is, it's two. It was two point four percent in the third quarter. So it is clearly on a downward trajectory. Core inflation. So that's that's good news. Okay. Okay. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this up top, but uh, it is. I did say it was Thursday evening, and we're all pretty hungry. I don't know. Did you guys eat dinner yet? I know it's early for you, but yeah, it's not. He's European. He he's at 10, 8, 10 p.m. anyway. So <laughs> no problem. Let's yeah. keep going. But Let's I'm keep... starving. Let's I go the starving. distance. And I know Franco and Sarah are like, like, what's going on? This is this is crazy. You know, you guys are doing it this late. So we'll keep this to be. We'll keep this as a short podcast. So let's move on to the uh, to the game, the stats game. So we each pick a statistic. The rest of us figure it out uh, through cues and deductive reasoning and um, and uh, and uh, clues. It, the best uh, statistic is one that's not so easy. We get it immediately. One that's not so hard. We never get it. And one, if it's uh, you know related to the topic at hand, that's that's great. And we always begin with you, Marissa. So, Marissa, you're up. What's your, your what's your statistic? Okay, um, it's three point nine percent. Okay, this is definitely <laughs> some kind of head fake. It's in the GDP number. It is in the GDP number, and we talked about it. And we did talk about it. The three point nine percent. 3.9% positive. Uh, that was our tracking estimate for GDP, wasn't it? It was, but that's not what I'm that's thinking. That's not what you're, you're thinking. Uh, is it a component of GDP? It is. A, a growth rate in the component of GDP. That's right. It, it is. It's, uh, hmm. 
uh, it's not in the isn't consumer uh, consumption yeah. part of the accounts. No. no, no. Oh, well, that's where I was going. Yeah. Uh, okay, we can do the C plus I plus G. Which is <laughs> is it in the investment part of the account? It is. Okay. Yeah. Okay, three point nine percent. Is it in and business? We talked about it. Is in business. We did, did talk about it. Yeah. We did. Uh, in the residential investment. That's what it is, right? It's oh, residential. Oh, yeah. Okay. Ding, ding, <laughs> ding, ding, ding. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Why'd you pick that? I picked it just because it was kind of this outlier in terms of recent history. It's the it's it was strongly positive for the first time in nine quarters. You have to go back to the beginning of 2021 to get positive contribution from housing. Um, from the GDP report. So sort of, I, and I also picked it because we've gotten a lot of listener questions about housing and what our outlook is for housing. I mean, we've been saying it sort of looks like housing has bottomed and there's some signs of renewed strength in housing. And perhaps we're not going to see a five to 10% decline in house prices. And, um, you know, here's some, here's some confirmation that housing did perk up a little bit, at least from where it was off of a bottom uh, over the summer. Got it. But this is definitely not going to continue, right, Chris? Definitely not. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> what with mortgage rates flirting with 8%? Yeah, yeah after the, after we play the game, I want to come back and I want to talk about the outlook and the context of, yeah. of this. Okay. Yeah, of all this. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, but that was a good one. Okay, Chris, you're up. What's your stat? 28%. 28%. Uh, yes. Is it from the GDP report? Nope. Oh, <laughs> is it a government statistic? It is. Did it come out this week? It did. Came out today, if I'm, yeah, oh, earlier today. That's not fair because I've been traveling and board, mm. board meetings all day. Uh, what else? No, the UI me. claims came out. Oh, durable goods came out. Oh, it's no, it. I'm sorry. Yesterday, not today. Oh, oh okay. So, so it's fair is game. Is it housing related? It is. Very good. Twenty-eight percent. What came out? New home, new home sales, and new home, new sales. home sales. Yeah. Right, related to right. new home sales. They were strong, actually. Very strong. It, well, it's incredibly not incredibly strong. It's not the increase in new home sales, is it? No, 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 no. That that be, uh, be crazy. Yeah, that, uh, it's very specific. Do you give up? You got the new home sales. That's really mm. where. No, you're not ready yet. Is it on the single family side? Well, it it's is. in home sales. It is. Yeah, it's new home sales. <laughs> By definition, yes, it is. Single. She's stalling. Can you tell that? I, I got it. I got yeah, it. Yeah. Has it seen the share of first time home buyers? It is a share. It is not first time home buyers. Uh is it a share that are that are regional? Is it regional or is it no. price point? Price point. Oh, 28% are, are above. Below? Oh, below. That's what I meant. Below. <laughs> below uh, 300,000. 300, 500,000. Yeah. Five, very good. Very good. <laughs> Perfect. You got it. You got it. 28% oh, wow. of new home sales below 500,000. That's up wow. from 24% last year. Wow. So we're moving in the right direction in terms of, you know, the new home sales we have, the new construction we have is shifting a bit towards the lower end of the market, which we absolutely need. So 
I found that uh, I took some yeah, uh, encouragement, so some solace in that. <laughs> prices are coming down of new homes. Right. Well, the distribution is shifting, <clears throat> right? But yes. Uh, but also prices have come down. Prices of new homes, even on the on the same, same price, right? Because of the higher interest rate, you do yeah. have more buy downs and concessions being made. But so. do, you, do you know there, builders are using interest rate, buy, so-called interest rate buy downs to try to sell homes. So they they uh, take a point or two off the mortgage rate for a year or two to effectively lower the cost, at least initially to the borrower or to the buyer and try to sell the home. It's effectively cutting price. Yes. Is that in the in these these prices? Do you know? Do they, does the census, which is the source of the data, Bureau of Census, do they capture the buy downs as a, in the price or is that is this that the list kind of the list price? That's my understanding that it is captured. Oh, it is captured because that the okay. concessions are are in there now. Okay, interesting. Or, I guess uh, controlled for. I yeah. should say this might be a good yeah. time. By Shandor, one of our colleagues, sent an email today with our September each house price index estimates across states and metropolitan areas. Maybe you want to mention that, Chris. Yeah, uh, showing uh, renewed strength. Um, or continued strength in the uh, in the housing market. Uh, what was it about up uh, 099 percent? Yeah, in the month. Right, in a month, and hmm. I believe on the year over year it was close to four and a half percent, if I'm not mistaken. So you do have uh, you know, renewed strength in the in the housing market, given the limited inventories. I, I chalk it up to the very low levels of um, of homes available for sale. There are buyers still out there, of course, who may pay in cash or who can afford the higher interest rate, and they are still bidding up the uh, prices for the homes that do hit the market. So it is a bit of this tug of war now between first-time home buyers, other home buyers that are locked out of the market because of the high interest rate and those the limited inventory because of the lock-in effect of homeowners. So you got these uh, two forces uh, playing against each other. I still believe that provided the interest rates remain elevated, that eventually you will see more and more sellers having to make price concessions because you just won't have the the pool of, of buyers out there willing to to pay top dollar. So I'm, I'm still of the belief that we'll, we'll see some slowdown in home prices, but clearly right now uh, you're continuing to see some strength uh, out there in, in the current market. Okay. Um, okay, uh, I'll give you my statistic. Uh, two numbers, four point nine and two point four. Four point nine is the GDP growth rate. Is indeed. Is that is that your guess? Yes. Okay, that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, two point four. I think we mentioned. Isn't that the core PCE? Uh, yeah. Inflation is. is that is that your guess? That is my guess. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was. I guess that was too easy. A little bit of a, a layup there, I would say. <laughs> little, uh, Burke, I'm getting tired. I'm getting. It was so tired. easy that it was difficult for me. Was, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that's the only way I can punk Marissa. Is like <laughs> it was totally stumped. Totally stumped. <laughs> Yeah, four nine two four. Here's why I picked it: uh, strong growth, low inflation. We can have both. <laughs> of course, we can't maintain four point nine. Uh, that I'm not arguing, but it does highlight uh, why 
the, the prospects of recession feel like they're receding. And that is inflation is coming in despite strong growth. We're getting you know pretty solid growth. You can see it in the GDP number. You can see it in the labor market. You can see it in a lot of different statistics. But despite that, inflation is coming in. And that goes back to something we've been talking about for a long time. And that is the reason for the high inflation was the supply shocks of the pandemic and the Russian war. And as those two, sh- the fallout from the economic fallout from those two shocks continue to fade, and, and, and you know, people forget they're still having impacts. I won't go to how, but in lots of different ways. But they are fading. And as they fade, inflation can come in and we don't need to see a weak economy or even certainly not a recessionary economy or even a weak economy. And I think that's highlighted you know, quite nicely in the third quarter GDP uh, report. Okay, um, let's go back. Uh, and I know uh, I did to promise we're going to end this at 7.30 p.m. <laughs> Eastern time. Let's just let's, let's, let's power through for another five, 10 minutes, uh, because I do want to talk about what does this all mean you know, for the future, uh, the economic outlook. And Chris, let me uh, turn back to you and let you lead the way here. What do you, you know, you've been more uh, worried about the economy's prospects and uh, recession risks. Has anything changed here because of the numbers we've been getting in recently in the GDP? Are you still relatively pessimistic or nervous about the economy's prospects going forward? By the way, I just wanted to point out this. I just, I just saw this. Um, uh, uh, someone yeah, texted me. Do you remember back when Bloomberg said 100% chance of recession? Yeah, yeah. a year ago. Right. Yeah, it was exactly a year ago. And it said in the coming year, there's a 100% probability of recession. So I got, we got to be humble, but you know, uh, definitely Absolutely. very wrong. Um, so with that as a preface, <laughs> turn it back to you. <laughs> Just saying, uh, is your thinking here changed at all because of the numbers we're getting, or 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 is it or or are you still feeling like things could go off the rails here? There's clearly more resilience in the numbers than what I had seen originally. I, I think even more than the GDP report from today is more the uh, what did we see in the um, the income and and the savings uh, previously, right? We we found that there was more income, there's more excess savings uh, out there, so that would argue that the consumer is in, in better shape overall than uh, what had previously been thought. But I guess I, I still remain nervous. Uh, delinquency rates, right, with some of the other things we talked about uh, last week in terms of, you know, there are some cracks in the foundation here. And we are calling for a slowdown in the economy. And I do fear that it wouldn't take much of something else, right? So if nothing else changes and we continue on this path, no problem. But Again, I come back to this idea that, you know, there are other things out there that could uh, hit the economy. You don't have a lot of uh, ammunition to fight them in, in terms of either fiscal po- additional fiscal policy or monetary policy, really. And so we are vulnerable over this next, say, 6, 12 months here. So I would mark down my recession odds, but uh, still, I, I think they're likely still a bit higher than yours. You know, here's the weird thing, you know. The concern that I had was, you know, coming into the fourth, the current quarter, the fourth quarter, given those headwinds that are, you know, out there and developing. You, you mentioned student loan payments, mm-hmm. UAW strike, potential government shutdown, 
the, the run up in long-term interest rates, mortgage rates at 8%, you know, oil prices that feels a little less threatening at the moment, but you know, that's always a threat. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the economy would really slow here towards the end of the year going into next. And it would be vulnerable, as you said, to anything else that can go wrong, but it almost feels like the risks are on the opposite end of the spectrum that the economy, what if it just, dis- Stays really strong. It's you know because things could could uh, break the uh, a different way. You know, there's some more positive talk coming out of the UAW uh, negotiations with uh, the automakers. Didn't they just come to terms with Ford or something? Yeah, I saw that while I was coming while I was uh, in transit. Uh, there, there may not be a federal government shutdown, you know, given the new House Speaker, uh, you know, still a lot of risk around that, but maybe yep. not. Uh, and so far, the student loan payments, that's, you know, that's been, that's, that's happened or it's already happening. And you don't, I don't sense it. I don't see it. I don't feel it. Now, maybe it's premature. It probably is, but, you know, maybe not. And I mentioned gas, uh, oil prices, they're back into the mid 80s and gas prices are actually down, right? Because of seasonality and crack spreads and coming in. The only thing that's kind of moving in the wrong direction here in terms of growth is long-term interest rates. But as we talked about last week, or maybe it was a couple of weeks ago, it feels like the economy is more resist, resistant to, for lots of different reasons, to the higher interest rates, at least for a while. So maybe the the worry, the concern shouldn't be that the economy kind of slumps here. Maybe the worry should be it stays too strong here. It's you know we're not going to get four nine in the fourth quarter. But what if we got three zero, you know, and unemployment started going down again, and the Fed felt like you know inflation kind kind of stopped improving, and the Fed felt like it had to raise interest rates. So it's almost like the risks are feel you know the kind of shifting here. But uh, what do you think of that? Yeah, so still risk of recession, but maybe Fed induced yeah. at that point. Yeah, right? Further down the road, maybe. Further down the road, right. Further right. down the road. And the timing yeah. gets pushed out. So. And all those economic forecasters, and you would have been one of them, my friend, would have had negative numbers that keep pushing them out, pushing them out, right? And, uh, and uh, that they would have to push it, they'll have to push them out some more. So. Anyway. Hey, you either get the magnitude or you get the timing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Choose one. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Uh, oh, I should ask, just to put it, make it concrete. I think you've been at 45% probability of recession through the end of next year. Is that still the case? I would knock it down to 40. 40. Okay, 40. Not sure. Because of those timing issues. All right, Marissa, what do you think? About it's been episode? a while since we since you asked me this. Yeah. Um, through the end of next year. Yeah, that's not, you know, that's not much harder than through this time next year. I'm just saying, I mean... <laughs> You know, well, something's going to blow up in December 2020. Let's see. This is right before an election. Uh, oh, okay. oh that's yeah. I didn't factor um, that yeah, in. Yeah, Maybe yeah, I need to factor that point. in. That's interesting. Yeah, I, may, I may need to adjust. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll i say 30%. 30. Okay. All right. And even that feels a little high to me. At this point, it feels high. To yeah. Me. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Any, any, uh, is, particularly anything you're particularly looking at that has made you feel a bit more confident or it's just kind of the plethora of data out there? Yeah, it's the plethora of data. I think the Fed is done. Um, And the economy just seems to be just absorbing all of this with a ton of resiliency. And it's, 
pretty remarkable, actually. Yeah. Now, I don't think that that's going to last, right? Like, I I don't think the growth that we're seeing right now, the labor market strength, I don't think that, that we're going to be talking about these same numbers a year from now. But recession, outright recession just seems very, it's very difficult in my mind to get there from where we are right here in the span of a year. Yeah. Okay. Unless something really goes. Yeah. Here's the, other, here's the other reason for a little bit of opt. And by the way, I'm down to uh, 25% this year. That's the lowest I've been in a long time. Yeah. Still, it's still high. I yeah. Mean, you know, yeah. typical economy would be 15. You know, we get a recession once every six, seven years, but 25 is still high, but it's come in. Here's the other thing. You know, uh, we could be surprised on the upside here. Um you, you know, we've always for for it feels like for the longest time we're always focused on the downside risks to the economy. Could be that things turn out to be much better than anticipated, and it goes to the supply side. We talked about this too, the supply side of the economy. You can feel it, you can see it clearly in the labor supply data. The labor force growth has been very strong. You know, about two hundred fifty thousand, two hundred seventy five thousand people every single month are coming into the labor force. That supports a lot of job growth. And keeps unemployment low without you know uh, uh, labor markets tightening and wage and price pressures developing. But take a look at that GDP number, four point nine, and then calculate the number of hours worked. It's nowhere even close. That means productivity growth really increased pretty dramatically in the quarter, uh, and that's on top of some better productivity numbers we've been getting over the past several quarters. So it feels like we're getting some real pick up here in underlying productivity growth. Yeah, and um, you know, it may go to the fact that uh, we saw so many pe people quit their jobs back a year or two ago, and now they're in, in jobs that they're more suited to. You know, there's surveys from the conference board that show people are really happy with their jobs at the highest level of job satisfaction in the history of the survey. And that goes to people, you know, getting jobs that are suited to their skill sets and, and uh, better pay. Uh, may go to remote work. You know, I know there's a lot of debate and there's we need a lot more data points, but I just feel like that's got to be a productivity enhancing, you know, uh, especially as new businesses form and they optimize around remote work as opposed to working in the office. And I know it's, it's just, I'm sure it's too early, but AI has got to also be important and artificial intelligence also got to be important in terms of this. So uh, this feels like we're getting some real positive news coming out of the supply after all this very negative supply side of uh, news because of the pandemic and Russian war. Now we're getting some really positive supply side. And what that means is couldn't ask for better, right? That means more growth without inflation. It means exactly what you want. So it's almost like we got to start thinking about the upside scenarios here. It's not just about the downside. It's not just, a, it's not, you know, asymmetric risk. There's also a risk to our, and in fact, it's so weird for the longest time, I've been berated for being too optimistic. Now I'm starting to get criticized for being too pessimistic. It's really interesting phenomenon, a really interesting phenomenon. Anyway, uh, so I'd say I, I'm feeling pretty good about things at this point. I think uh, we're in a pretty good spot. Okay, uh, I, I promise this is going to be a, a, a short podcast. Uh, I, I am I did I did down this beer as we were chatting. So uh, on an empty stomach. Yeah, that, and you can feel I was quite lugubrious, not lugubrious, <laughs> I was quite loquacious is the word, loquacious. Mm -hmm. No, you think so? No? 
Yeah, in a good way. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Away. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Anything else you guys want to say? You let me go on a bit of a rant there, but uh, well, and the Phillies lost, so that that's another. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. No another, re- another reason to be optimistic. Another reason to be. Optimistic. That's the reason that GDP grew. <laughs> uh, exactly. Four point nine percent in the third quarter. Yeah. Because we're right. not in a recession. Yeah, we could have predicted that. Okay. <laughs> All righty. Okay. Uh, hearing nothing else, I think we're going to call this a podcast. Uh, talk to you next week, dear listener. Take care now. <laughs>